Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yo, yo. Welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the skid has continued. The Lakers dropped their fourth consecutive game. They are one in five in their last six games, which have come without Anthony Davis. They fell to the Utah Jazz 114 to 89 on Wednesday night, dropping them to 22 and 11, 13 and four on the road. And as aforementioned, uh, one in five in their last six games, uh, really five and a half games without AD, but one in five overall in those uh, games and, and five and five now without AD on the season. And this to me was a rather predictable loss. Um, you know, I, I feel like we've been having this conversation for basically the entire month of February of the, the Lakers lackluster play. It started before Anthony Davis was out. It started before Dennis Schroeder was out. Uh, like th- th- this has been a, a month long thing for this group. When you look at the overtime games, uh, you look at the recent losses uh, and you, you look at the offense dipping and the shooting and the turnovers and, uh, the, the guys in and out of the rotation, uh, depending on play. And it's just been, you know, this has been a very meh month for the Lakers. And uh, I'm sure they can't wait for uh, the, the next four days to, to turn the page on this month because it's been quite awful, you know, to, to be honest. And, uh, you know, fortunately for the Lakers, they're, they're still third in the West. Uh, you know, they're right behind the Clippers, a game behind them in the win column, a game behind them in the loss column. So, uh, they're still right there. Uh, you know, Phoenix is is kind of breathing down their neck. But I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, as long as the Lakers stay in that, you know, top four mix, which I think they will, I, I really would be shocked if they didn't. I don't think there's much concern here. You know, I, I think there is a bit of a gap at the top of the West. Uh, now, looking at the, the Jazz and Clippers matchups, you know, those are two entirely different matters. And, you know, I, I, th- I think that, those are conversations for a different night, but um, yeah, I mean, let's get into the matchup here. So the, the Lakers, I think a, a silver lining from this was that one Frank Vogel makes up the rotation and I really like what he ended up doing. He, he started Markeith Morris in Kyle Kuzma's place and he started Taylor Horton Tucker in Wes Matthews place. And um, I was on uh, Lakers Central podcast over the weekend, and I said it there that I feel like the the starting KCP and West together didn't really make sense because of the positional and and skill set overlap, and, and it was just a little bit too much of um, you know almost recreating that lineup of meh, you know that that group around LeBron with the second unit of basically just you know, guys dependent on LeBron to create for them. And looking at the starting lineup, it was basically LeBron, Mark, who, who, you know, who can facilitate and find guys, but, you know, it is a bit stationary and isn't, you know, like breaking guys off the dribble or, um, you know, even really posting up that much and, and, you know, running offense through the post. 
And then it was, you know, Kuz, who has become a, a very, um, you know, uh, like set up dominant guy. And then, you know, KCP, uh, Wes, like those guys are, are, you know, maybe getting out transition or, or getting some uh, spot up and catch and shoot opportunities and, and cuts and stuff. But they're not really breaking down, uh, you know, breaking down guys off the dribble. So I think inserting THT made a lot of sense. I was for inserting Alex. Um, you know, they, they, Frank chose to go with THT. I, I get it. That's fine. Uh, and then with Keefe, I, I think that was more actually about just bringing Kyle off the bench and, and giving the bench a little bit more balance uh, where, you know, the rotation was a little out of whack having Kyle start and then, you know, not having him with the bench. And he's done really well with the bench with, with that Trez, LeBron, Caruso, Kyle, like quartet. Like that has been a, a very, uh, you know, positive combination for the Lakers. So I get where Frank was coming from and it worked. It worked in the first quarter. Uh, the Lakers are down 24, 23. I, I thought that was their best first quarter start in weeks. I, I thought it was the, their most uh, spirited defensive effort. And offensively, you know, you had a couple LeBron dunks. You had THT attacking the rim. Uh, you, you had Keefe hit a couple jumpers. And, uh, you know, I, I just felt like there was a, a flow to the offense that we hadn't seen early in games. And, you know, remember, it, it just seemed like in recent weeks, the Lakers have always been down in the first quarter, you know, bordering on, on double digits in some cases. And it, it just these these slow starts where, you know, at the six-minute mark, they're down like 20 to eight or, or, you know, 20 to, to 12. And I think, you know, this group, while, you know, obviously on the whole didn't end up playing that well to start the game, at least they held their own and they matched up well with, with Utah's starting lineup, which, you know, right now is one of the best lineups in the NBA, if not the very best. And the fact that they held their ground, I think, you know, for a team with championship aspirations, you don't want to have any silver linings necessarily. And, and there's no moral victories. There's no, oh, you know, they played a good 12 minutes, you know, kudos to the Lakers. Like, no, right? Like they have a higher standard than that. But I think, again, you know, without Anthony Davis, without Dennis Schroeder, having, you know, a, a depleted, um, you know, offensive unit, the fact that they were able to hold their own and were able to keep the Jazz in check for at least a 12-minute stretch I think that was a bit of a silver lining. Now, the rest of the game, uh, Utah outscored them 39 to 24 in the second, 27 to 17 in the third. That right there was the game. You know, they outscored them by 25 uh, across those two quarters. And then the Lakers outscored them 25 to 24 uh, in the fourth. But, you know, a lot of that was garbage time. LeBron did not re enter the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think big picture takeaway, Utah is really, really good. And I, I know that that's not, that shouldn't be a surprise for anybody, but I, I do think they're legitimate. I don't think they're the best team in the NBA. I, I don't think that they are on the Lakers, Nets, Clippers tier, but I, I think they're right there in tier two, you know, with Philly, uh, potentially Milwaukee, 
uh, you know, potentially, well, I don't even want to put Boston on that tier. I mean, maybe if they get their, you know, stuff together, but, but it's probably Utah and Philly are, are alone in that second tier. Like maybe Denver could get to that second tier. Uh, but, but to me, they're, they're right there in their own class with, with Philly as far as, um, you know, like right now it looks really good. They're, they're leading their respective conferences, but I, I kind of want to see it in the playoffs. And I think after what happened to Utah, you know, last season, I, I think that's a fair criticism. I, I also just think that for as good as Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are, um, you know, most of the time when you see, you know, you, you can look at a playoff series and the team with the better player tends to win if the teams are relatively evenly matched. Like obviously a one versus an eight, even if the eight seed has the better player, maybe they get a game, maybe they even get two games, but the one seed is going to win. But if you're looking at almost any other matchup, you know, even two, seven, but, but certainly three, six, four, five, or one, four, or two, three, or, or, you know, two, six, whatever. Most of the time, the player that is the best player in that series, their team wins the series, you know, and, and ultimately in that Denver, Utah series, Nikola Jokic was the best player. And I, I think most people would, would say he is the best player, you know, across those two teams. So I think looking at how Utah matches up, with the Lakers and, and how they match up with the Clippers, like in the Lakers series, obviously LeBron is the best player in the series. And I think you can make a strong case uh, that AD is the second best player. And then looking at a potential Clippers series, I think Kawhi is the best player in that series. And then you can make a case Paul George is arguably the second best player uh, in the series. So that's why I think Utah is going to run into some problems. You know, I, I don't, I personally would pick both LA teams over them uh, in a seven game series, but they are right that you know th- there's no doubt about it they are right there at number three in, in my opinion uh you know and and there's a clear gap between them and denver them and phoenix them and portland uh wh- whoever you want to throw in from the west uh for, for that number three spot like there is a a clear gap between utah and that team and, and a, quite a big gap in, in my opinion um you know again i, I think it's the la teams on their own tier uh, another tier in utah and then you know i probably put denver and phoenix uh, on that third tier. So, I mean, the three-point shooting again w- was a, a troubling trend for the Lakers. Uh, they went eight of 33, only 24%. Their shooting splits overall, 40% from the field, 24% on threes, 65% at the free throw line. They had 17 assists and 14 turnovers. So a, a terrible assist to turnover ratio. But the three-point shooting was really where this game was lost because Utah, 22 of 48. I mean, first off, they took almost 50 threes, which is just absurd. Uh, but they made 22, which is even more absurd. Uh, that's 45.8% of their threes. And when you're making 14 fewer threes than your opponent, you're most likely going to lose the game no matter how well you're playing. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, they, you know, they, they lost the free throw bat. Well, they actually won the free throw battle, even though Utah shot better at the free throw line. Um, but, they, they lost the fast break battle, 21 to six, uh, actually edged out Utah in the paint, 42 to, to 38, but Utah didn't really need to take shots in the paint when, when they're draining that many threes. And it was, it wasn't just like swing, swing, guys open in the corner, guys open above the break. It was, you know, threes in transition and, and you, know, um, you know, off the dribble threes. And, and like looking at it, uh, Mike Conley had four threes. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had five. Royce O'Neal had two, including dribbling up into one. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had four. So you had uh, 
three jazz players with four or more threes and you had one, two, uh, six, seven, actually seven with two or more threes. So, uh, I mean, right there, like just Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley combined for more threes than the entire Lakers team. Uh, and, and that, that's a problem. And I've, I've spoken about it on this podcast. I've written about it on the athletic. Like, I think if, if there is one potential flaw in, in the Lakers, um, offensive profile and, and you know, like it, it is, it has, I mean, it's certainly been the three point shooting this month and I don't think that's going to sustain, but I do think it's actually more the three point volume than the three point shooting. It's the fact that they are constantly against these elite teams losing this three point battle. And, you know, and, and again, not just, I mean, like, yes, on the makes, but also just on the attempts. And you don't want to take threes just to take threes, especially when you are a team like the Lakers that has so many guys that can score in the paint and, and get to the paint. But at the same time, three is more than two. It's just basic math. And, it, you know, we, we've seen in recent years, like, to be a championship team, you have to take a certain amount of threes, make a certain amount of threes. And we saw that in the bubble from the Lakers. You know, they were a a improved three-point shooting team. They made them when, they, when it mattered. You know, even Anthony Davis hitting the, the game winner against the Nuggets. Like, they made them when they counted and, and when they needed to. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if they can do that again this postseason. But right now, I, I think losing the three-point battle has cost them multiple games this season, including this one. I mean, I mean... The, you know, Utah hitting 22 threes, like you're going to lose that game nine out of 10 times. It's just hard to beat a team when they're shooting that well. But I, I think for the Lakers moving forward, um, and this is only the team has talked about, like I'm not alone on this. Frank Vogel has said he wants them to take more threes. He need, you know, he's looking for ways to generate more threes. Obviously missing Anthony Davis and, and Dennis, like that, that affects the offense because 80s is drawing double teams out of the post. Uh, Dennis is, is going downhill in the pick and roll, driving kick game. Like, you know, they aren't generating the same looks that they normally would. But I, I do think that th- this is something they're going to have to figure out because, um, you know, if they're going to be shooting this poorly from the three-point line and also taking so few threes, uh, it, it's it's a losing recipe uh, against most good three-point shooting teams, even teams that are worse than them. You know, it's just the way the game, the, the way the modern game is right now, it's really hard to win when you're getting slaughtered at the three-point line. Like, it's just really, really hard. And, and the way you make up for that is just, you know, uh, crushing a team in the paint, which the Lakers have not been doing recently, or crushing them at the free throw line, which the Lakers have not been doing recently. So, you know, at least if they're not going to win the three-point battle, you got to dominate those other two areas and, and they just haven't done that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's it for the game. Like I expected a blowout. Uh, you know, I said it earlier in the week with, with Bill. I said it on, um, you know, the post, the last post game pod I did. Like I, I had a bad feeling about this game um, and it basically lived up to that. Like it, this game was over before halftime, uh, you know, quite frankly, like the, the Jazz are just rolling right now. Lakers are depleted and, uh, th- this four game skid has the potential to get to five, get to six, get to seven. I mean, the, the last game before the all-star break is at Sacramento. Like that's the most winnable game, but you know, you, you got Portland, Golden State, Phoenix. Th- this is not an easy stretch by any means. 
uh, before the intermission. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Let's get to the open forum, the Q&A portion of the show. Uh, we're we're going to keep this one quick. So question from ML Portley. What did the Lakers rank offensively in the league? Feels like we're in last place. Every team seems to be able to knock down shots except this team. So overall, I'm pulling it up right now on NBA.com stats. The Lakers are 17th in offense, which through February 7th, so that is... Uh, you know, two and a half weeks ago, they were seventh in offense. So over the past two and a half weeks, they have cratered to 17th. And to drop that far in the standings over that short amount of time, even this early in the season, uh, th that is concerning. They are still first in defensive rating, but Utah is making ground. They had a two point per hundred possession uh, lead on Utah. That is now down to 0 0.8. So Utah might pass them uh, potentially uh, but by the All-Star break. And now if we want to go uh, looking at it through February, just for fun, the Lakers are, they're sixth in defense, so that's still pretty good. But to your question, they're 23rd in offense this month. Uh, so they're, they're scoring 108 points, 108.5 points per 100 possessions, and they're allowing 108. So they have a 0 0.5 net rating which ranks 14th in the NBA. So they this month, they've basically been a 500 team. They're, they're seven and five in the month. Uh, they, they've basically been a slightly below average team. Uh, I mean, they're basically playing like a seven or eight seed right now, which is uh, you know obviously not what uh, we're accustomed to, to watching. And, and yeah, this has been a, a brutal month for the Lakers. Um, question from Jake at... I am Cohen crazy. Do you think the crazy second half schedule will force the team's hand in being more conservative with minutes? So the Lakers schedule, uh, second half of the schedule was released. Uh, thank you for asking that, Jake, because uh, this is a good time to bring this up. The Lakers have eight back-to-backs in the second half of their schedule after having five in the first half. And they have a seven-game road trip from April 2nd to April uh, 13th. Now, one of those games is against the Clippers, so it's technically, you know, they go Sacramento, LA, and then they go to the East Coast. But looking at this, I mean, there are some road-heavy stretches. They got that seven-game trip. They got a four-game trip, Dallas-Dallas, uh, Orlando-Washington. Their homestands are all three games, basically. Uh, like, they start... Versus Indiana after the break, go to Golden State, and then three-game homestand, four-game, three-game, three-game, three-game. Uh, so a lot of pockets of, of home games. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the schedule is, I think that the back-to-backs are crazy. And the back-to-backs to end the season are crazy because they actually finished the season with four back-to-backs in May. Um, so it is a back-loaded back-to-back schedule. Uh, including their last four games of the season are two sets of back-to-back. -back. So depending on seeding, that's where you might see LeBron or AD rest or or certain rotation guys. 
Um, the, the, you know, the Lakers finished the season in New Orleans, which I think is really interesting because that could be a, a pivotal game where uh, not only are they potentially, you know, fighting the, the the Jazz or the Clippers or the Suns or the Nuggets for seeding, but New Orleans is, is probably going to be in the back end of the play-in mix. So New Orleans is probably going to be trying to get in to that, you know, 9-10 spot. Who knows, maybe even 7 or 8, depending on how, you know, their second half of the season goes. So I think that that's going to be a really interesting game. The the game before that is at Indiana, which is also another interesting game with stakes because, you know, Indiana right now is in that home court mix for the East. And uh, I think looking at teams like Toronto or, or Miami or, or Boston, like, they're probably going to have some type of second half surge and be fighting Indiana for that that home court. So I'm, you know, the Lakers were not given any favors in the second half of the schedule. You know, they play two fewer games, but, you know, the eight back-to-backs after having only five in the first half definitely makes it tougher. And I, I do think, you know, to, to get to your question, Jake, like in being more conservative with minutes, I do think that there, there's going to be a breaking point where they just have to, rest LeBron or conserve his minutes. I just don't see how he can handle, uh, especially he's averaging 38 minutes a game in February, which is just too much for, for forget him being 36 and forget him being in, in year 18. It's it's too much for anybody. Like you should not be averaging 38 minutes a game as a modern superstar in 2021. Like there's a reason no one is for the season averaging 38 minutes a game. Like you know, teams and, and sports science and, and all the data supports playing fewer minutes and not by a crazy amount, but, you know, like the league leader in minutes should be in that 35, 36 tops range. And then, of course, in the playoffs, you're going to ramp that up 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, like however many minutes you need. But in the regular season, you shouldn't be playing more than 34, 35, maybe 36 minutes on a regular basis. And for LeBron to be at 38, that's just too high. So I don't really worry about anyone else's minutes uh, on the team aside from LeBron. Maybe AD, you know, in, in the low to mid 30s, you, you want to keep him in that range and, and not overtax him. But everybody else is, for the most part, you know, 30 minutes or fewer. So I don't really worry about those guys. I guess like Mark, Wes, Keith, like those guys, you want, you want to be cautious. Um, but Dennis, you can play him. 30, 32, 34 minutes. Trez, uh, same thing. You know, Kuz, Talon, Alex, like th- those guys are young in their mid-20s. They can handle the the high 20s or low 30s minutes load. So, uh, of course, you know, you take it game by game. And if guys have injuries, if, you know, guys are going through some type of thing, like you you give them the rest, you, you, you know, you, you limit their minutes. But as long as those guys are healthy, the, the, the guys in their 20s, like you play them as, as much as is needed, which of course is going to be like 28 to 32 minutes. It's not like any of those guys are really going to be playing more. So um, I think the Lakers will at some point have to be conservative. I don't know when, but I think that's coming sooner than later. And we will get to one more question and then wrap up. Well, okay. I got a few of these, so I'll close with this. Um, this is from Ian Franz. Uh, when will the pain go away, Jovan? From Kavan Kumbani. When will the pain stop? And from a man with no name, zero, is it advisable to watch Laker games going forward? So I'll leave Laker fans with a optimistic note uh, to to close out this podcast. I think the schedule after the All-Star break to start is pretty friendly. Uh, You you have Indiana at home, which 
should be, you know, actually a reasonably tough game. Then you go to at Golden State. But Minnesota, Charlotte, Atlanta, all at Staples, I think that is a, a nice stretch to put together three straight wins and potentially four or five, depending on what happens with Indiana and Golden State. But um, then looking at like, you know, at Phoenix, at New Orleans versus Philly, like, okay, those games are, are tougher. But then you got Cleveland and Orlando. Uh, so like, I, I just think that first stretch of eight or nine games, the Lakers easily could go, you know, six and three or seven and two and really kick off the second half of the season on a high note. And you're going to have guys who haven't had a break uh, really since, you know, that short offseason break. And, and um, you know, w- with the way the schedule was in the first half, like just very rarely did the Lakers have, you know, two consecutive days off. It almost was a, you know, you're either playing a back-to-back or you're playing every other day. And I think giving guys um, what is basically going to be you know, their last game in the first half is March 3rd. They don't play again until March 12th. So you're going to have nine days in between games or eight days in between games. And they'll have some practices and some film sessions and team meetings and stuff during that that time. But they're going to have a few days off. Kuzma's already talked about going to the beach. And I think that's going to be very important for this team. So while, yes, there is the, the seven-game road trip. Yes, there are the eight back-to-backs. Yes, there are games against... Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, Boston, Utah, uh, Denver, the Clippers, Phoenix. Like there, there are some tough matchups in, in the second half, and and several of those are, are back to backs. Uh, but I think overall, um, you know, the, the Lakers have a a friendly schedule to start the second half of the season, and that can get them some momentum and get them rolling. So. Um, as far as the first half, I, <laughs> the next four games, I'm, I'm not too optimistic. I see them going two and two or one and three. Uh, I don't see it going any better than that. Uh, so I, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys and say like, I think it's gonna be a painful end to the first half of the season, but kicking things off in the second half, I think things will uh, be trending in the right direction. But thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast yet, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, or, or on The Athletic. If you've not subscribed to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com, or you can subscribe off of one of my articles on Twitter. I would appreciate that very much. Uh, thank you guys, and I will be back on Friday after the Portland game. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.